Okay, so today I have the pleasure of uh, interviewing Garrett Hoyos, I hope I'm saying that right, um, the founder of Authenticity, which is striving to gamify uh, married relationships using virtual reality. This is a totally new concept to me, I mean, not virtual reality, but gamifying um, uh, ver gamifying marriage. So I'm really keen to uh, learn more about that. Um, but I'm forgetting myself. Thank you for joining me, Garrett. Uh, real, real pleasure to uh, meet you. We've actually never met. Uh, my friend Rohan, who I interviewed a while ago, introduced us. So um, in any event, Garrett, pleasure to meet you. And uh, thanks for joining me. Eric, thanks for your time. I appreciate you uh, letting me jump on here. And yeah, I'm excited to get started and tell talk a little bit about my journey. Uh, yeah, yeah, thank you. Sure thing. So yeah, let's like jump right into it. I do want to hear about your journey. Tell me about, um, you know, gamifying marriage uh, through virtual reality. What exactly you you are trying to do here? Yeah, so in very interesting. My this my entire idea for for this actually came from my own troubles with my relationship with my wife. And we, when we when once you have kids, things get really complicated. Uh, you know, when you're single, things are complicated with the dating game and then things get pretty fine when you're just, it's just the two of you and you can kind of continue life. But once you introduce kids into the mix, things get even more complex. And, uh, we, we had some challenges in our relationship and we wanted to, you know, make sure that we stayed together for our kids and that we made the best life possible. And so one of the things that we had a lot of fun doing was actually going on these dates where we would create like a list of things that we were going to go do. And then we would go, you know, and spend four to $600 and just like once a year, just go have an amazing date. And that combined with, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with psychedelics, but there's uh, one called MDMA, which is sort of a psychedelic. It's not really a visual, uh, hallucinogen, but it, that actually changes your mind psychedelic all that means is mind manifesting it just manifests what's inside of you and so my wife and i were able to kind of go on these journeys together to explore our relationship and we said okay what what do we need to do to be on an amazing level with each other and so we we gamified our own relationship uh we we explored the depths of the trauma that each of us had been through, which is what MDMA is used for. And then that allowed us to essentially come to this realization that we were, you know, enough in and of ourselves, we would be okay without each other, we would be okay with each other, that we could just make the most of it. And so uh, the concept is essentially how do you take the MDMA experience for couples, which is an experience where you can sit, sit in front of each other in a therapeutic setting and you can connect and break down every barrier that you have. So over time in a relationship, you build up tension, you build up certain barriers that you don't, you don't address and MDMA breaks those barriers down. All judgment goes away and you're able to talk to each other about anything and everything on, on, under the sun and in a non-judgmental way. And you're able to just break things down. And so I said, okay, how can we take that experience? And without doing MDMA, how can we bring couples together in 
to an intimate setting with virtual reality and other multi-sensory experiences that remove anxiety, remove stress, remove barriers so that you can really connect with each other unlike you've been able to in the past. And gamifying it is essentially just saying, how can you, you know, when you're first dating, let's say you're going on five, six dates, it's fun. You're having a blast. You know, there's no kids involved. You're just, you're creating these hormones, these you're exchanging these these signals with each other and and you get to have a lot of fun. How do you bring that back, those novel experiences back into the marriage? Well, virtual reality takes people like a psychedelic. It manifests uh, what's already there. And so it allows you to imagine something that maybe you haven't previously been able to imagine. Uh, I think there's a, a lot of beauty that comes with it. And uh, yeah, we're, we're definitely building something pretty special, uh, right now. So, well, thank you. I appreciate that, uh, detailed rundown. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot to unpack there for sure. First things first, you know, you mentioned, oh yeah. Um, when you're single dating is complicated enough. And then, um, then I'm like, wait a minute, it gets more complicated because I'm still single now. And I think it's complicated enough. So you mean to tell me with a wife and kids, it gets, it only gets more complicated great um no wonder uh something uh you're cooking up something like this to deal with um the escalating challenges so to speak um and then uh mdma that's like that's in like ecstasy molly right that, am i am i right about that yes so molly is the street name uh ecstasy is pretty much mdma plus caffeine and other alterants added to it so additives uh that make you very alert and awake. Uh, MDMA alone, just pure MDMA in the right set and setting is very different than a Molly experience that you would have at a rave. Uh, you would have it just in a therapeutic setting. I see. So you're okay. Well, without, of course, the, um, you know, drastic uh, uh, changes all bad to your health that a street drug would offer you are basically giving the therapeutic benefits of um mdma to couples in order to kind of uh, induce that sort of mind altering that um enhances their you know ability to communicate and connect with each other right so essentially when you have it you can call it i i like to refer to it as a medicine it is a it's a it's almost through phase three trials with the FDA right now, which is really interesting uh, because people who have trauma, uh, it's if you if you look at traditional trauma therapy right now, a lot of couples go into relationships with trauma and they don't recognize it. They don't know it and they bring that trauma. Sometimes it's ancestral trauma. It's trauma that's been passed down from generation to generation. And if you bring that into your marriage, that's when things get really complex. Uh, so if there's two single people, they get married and they don't, you know, they don't bring that trauma into their relationship. They've worked things out already. Um, they might not have the same issues that my wife and I had, but we had a lot of unresolved issues from our past, uh, you know, from leaving religion to, uh, you know, things from the past, uh, that, just weren't worked out. And so when you bring that complexity into a relationship, those fun things that happen when you're dating, they kind of, 
the real stuff comes in, you know, it's no longer just the game that you're playing to get to that, that marriage point. It's, it's more like this. I mean, it's the hard stuff. It's the real stuff, right? Uh, so what MDMA does, uh, in a therapeutic setting is it breaks down those walls and it's really, it's an incredible substance. I call it a medicine. I know that it's, it's 83% effective between 60, I think 60 and 83%, depending on the stats that you look at, uh, at breaking down PTSD in one to three sessions. This isn't an antidepressant that you take every day. This is something that you do as an experience one to three times. So I say before the FDA approves this drug this year or next year, let's create an experience that mimics the ability to break down those barriers. Let's break down the barriers for couples that have never been broken down before. And let's bring them into these novel experiences. When you put on a, a headset, a VR headset, you can actually have a virtual trip. So imagine having like a mushroom trip where you're seeing fractals in front of you, but you're in this immersive dome and you're seeing these fractals come at you. This is an experience that exists. This is uh, it's called trip T R I P P. It's an incredible experience. We want to take couples through this. We want to take couples through all these beautiful experiences like this that already exist that can connect them. And we're inviting 300 couples to join us at the end of this experiment at a, a festival in a year. And these 300 couples, these micro influencers that are going to come will essentially you know, be able to test their relationship in a fun way. Uh, and they're going to be able to meet all the other couples that have gone through this experience as well. Wow. That's, um, yeah, I mean, this is very profound. I was expecting, um, you know, I, I saw your, um, basic intro pitch deck that you shared with me. Thanks for that, by the way. But, um, I guess I couldn't just from that alone, truly, I, I know it's a work in progress, but truly digest just kind of how profound the work you're doing here is. Cause I thought it was going to be something like couples taking virtual vacations together that they don't always have the time and the resources for, and just, you know, connecting and having fun. But this is, um, really kind of reconnecting, um, couples on a much deeper level than what I had anticipated. Yeah, so, it's, it, uh, it's, it's, sorry. it certainly is what you said, like the vacation part that like we can take couples like on a vacation. You don't have to leave your house to go on a fun date. You know, you can stay there. Once your kids go to bed, you can go on a fun date still, but it's so much more than that. Like you said, it's, it's deeper. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, there's obviously application for, um, you know, kind of run of the mill uh, fun, if you will, or just like couple stuff. But then there is kind of that uh, deeper level sort of healing and, um, you know, uh, enhanced connectivity behind, uh, for couples, which is uh, OK. It's it's very interesting to put it mildly. Um, so I guess I'm kind of you're, you know, you're, uh, you said you're going through clinical trials now with the FDA. I mean, what's that, I guess, kind of look like, I, I mean, are you having a, I, I'm trying to figure out, you know, how you kind of test to make sure this works and like, what's your learning from it? I mean, is that basically like couples are using this now and, you know, people are recording the results and um, if so, like, what, what are you finding out? Just, I, I, can you tell me a little bit more about um, kind of the validation testing and what you're learning? 
I actually already went down that path of doing the FDA trials. We decided not to do that uh, just because it, it, it's very time intensive. It could take years. And so we, I've also been down, like, should we do this as a nonprofit? Not going to go down that path either. It's a little harder to raise funding that way. And long, long path. Uh, I've already been kind of down this road for the last couple of years. Uh, had lots of ups and downs, lots of, you know, mostly failure, if you would, uh, with, with my own relationship, How, because you can't really succeed as an entrepreneur unless you've dialed in your own relationship. If you're not, ha if you're not seeing that success in your own relationship, you're not going to see success in the business. And so it's been a battle, an uphill battle. I'm essentially trying to solve the problem that I myself face and that I know a lot of other couples face, particularly when you have this, this battle with, uh, you know, religion, like me leaving my religion the same year that I, that I married my wife, like that was very challenging. So I've been having that on my own. As far as testing other couples, this is something moving forward. Uh, we're raising funding. Uh, this is like the next step to be able to take this to a lot more couples. Uh, I've just been testing, uh, doing, so the customer validation part, having phone calls with people. So calling couples up and saying, Hey, you know, let's like, let's dive in. If you're okay with it, let's dive into what are some of the problems in your relationship? Are you dealing with the same things that, that we deal with and trying to find that out. And a lot of that information, uh, I, I posted like on the, the first draft of the pitch deck that I sent you, uh, I should say, you know, there's probably been 10 pitch decks, but this is the, the next iteration. And, uh, that's, you know, gonna, when we're starting to look for funding and a lot of the, the issues that come up are, are going to be present on that pitch deck. Like these, these are the, the problems that couples are telling us. Uh, those are some of the things that aren't there yet. So I'm very much early even though I've been doing this for a couple of years, I've kind of some of the lessons I've learned, I've been jumping around from thing to thing. Uh, you know, a lot of that had to do with me not having my own relationship solved. And so now that I do feel like it is at a point now I'm ready. I feel ready inside now that my relationship is at that point that I can fundraise for this, uh, for others. And the point, uh, of testing, obviously you want to validate your idea before you raise a million dollars you want to validate and say okay this is a problem we're going to solve this problem uh but the same thing kind of with tesla if you look at uh, what elon musk did he didn't solve the with the electric car with the model s he didn't solve a problem with like we didn't need electric cars but we needed a better battery and so he created this uh, this better battery uh with the couples thing we're not necessarily saying that we're solving a massive problem for society, but we are bringing something that it, maybe people don't know that they need yet. Uh, and maybe it's not a need. It's not food. It's not water. It's not shelter, but it is, you know, creating abundance and vitality and growth and love especially. And so I think those, those things are coming into play, um, with, uh, with testing, I've gotten good feedback from the couples who have gone through it. Uh, lots of work needs to be done a ton, a ton of, it's going to be an uphill battle, but this year is all about experimentation and what can we create from scratch? Uh, what can we create that's already been created? That's kind of 
instead of starting over from scratch, what can we create? How can we take pre-existing experiences and then bring the whole thing around that? Because creating from scratch is expensive. So, and other people have already done their great work. So we can bring in that great work that already exists and help those couples really experience, uh, you know, profound changes in their lives and, and have a lot of fun in the process. Sure. Understandable. You know, there were, uh, there were a lot of uh, great things you said there, a few I kind of want to highlight because I think they're very important. You know, you kind of touched on um, how much, uh, you know, you your relationship benefit has benefited from something like this the proof kind of being in the pudding there and that's a really um you know a, a common lesson you hear in there but a really important one that i think um, it always helps to reiterate which is that you have to be your own customer um you really got to uh you know have that true conviction in what you're doing it's got to um you know kind of have that profound meaning for you um you know you also touched on how uh there's uh you know people don't necessarily know they need it yet and it kind of reminds me there's that quote by henry ford right if i ask people what they want they tell me um, a faster course which he may not have ever said but um it gets bandied about because um nonetheless it it, it touches on something um you know very uh I don't know the words escaping me right now, but the fact is, you know, people people know what they, you know, essentially the value they need, but they don't conceive of what that actually looks like. And so, the, it it takes an enterprising businessman to come along with an invention that says, well, what you need is to get from point A to point B faster. This is how you do it, and that's kind of, um, you know, what you're up to right now. I mean, couples uh, definitely, I mean, I, it, you know, it's not an everyday thing like food and water, kind of like you said, but couples, uh, you know, it's one of our most profound emotions to, um, to love, right? To want to seek that connectivity with um, close loved ones and um, uh, people at the risk of rambling here. Um, you know, people do want uh, th their relationships enhanced. They need, um, they need something that helps them uh, overcome their trauma and uh, and you know enhance their relationships. So um, just kind of wanted to highlight there. I thought that 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 resonated with me a lot, even as a single guy, um, you know, not being married. That definitely resonated with me a lot. Um, so I have a lot of appreciation for what you're doing. So um, in that regard, uh, you know, since this is so new, it's uh, you know um, kind of a revolutionary. Yeah, I'll say, uh, you know, um, at the risk of sounding a bit cheesy there. I mean, how has that kind of resonated with, you talked about fundraising. I mean, how how have you found the reaction has been with the fundraising? Not necessarily in the details of, you know, how much money you've raised, but like I, I suspect a lot of um, investors might be kind of blown away from, by this, have a lot of questions or uh, maybe not understand at least reflexively what you're doing. So uh, what's the reaction been? Yeah, so I think uh, fundraising was a, a kind of a failure on my part last year when I tried raising for this. Uh, the first thing that I needed to, I guess a big, I'll share a lesson. If you don't have everything dialed in with fundraising, where you know the metrics, you know the customer better than they know themselves. If you don't know the, the, the statistics, you know, the market size, if you don't know these things, it's going to be very abrasive it's going to be a, there's going to be a lot of tension there the fundraising instead of looking at it as i'm trying to raise funds it's more like a learning experience i'm trying to learn what are all the things that i need to know to raise funding 
So yeah, for anybody doing that, it, it does have to be a passion project. This is something that this is in the, it's always in the back of your mind. It's always there. It's always the thing driving you. Uh, and for me, it's definitely that it's like the, it's the light at the end of the tunnel that you're moving towards. And despite all the other things that come in your way, you're still going towards that thing. And if investors understand that, that this is your thing, uh, and you're not going to let anything stop you until you get it, then that's what they put their money in. They're not putting the money in this idea. They're putting the money in you as in the invest, as the an entrepreneur to get this thing done because you believe in it so much. And it's going to change along the way, you know, because I, I set this thing on this goal. It's maybe, you know, the more I try to envision it, I don't try, I do. I envision it every day. I close my eyes and I visualize myself there. What is it going to be like when we're there, when we arrive? And the more I do that, the more, you know, I think that investors are attracted to that energy. And, uh, yeah, the, I know I'm not directly uh, answering all of your questions. I, I definitely do ramble a little bit. Uh, I, I really love, uh, talking about this and just the journey. Entrepreneurship is all about a journey. You know, you start out, I started out knowing nothing, not having entrepreneur parents, just, you know, you're learning from scratch. I quit my job because I, I saw this vision of what my life could be. I quit my job prematurely probably. Uh, but I just, as Tony Robbins say, you burn the bridges and you just go for it. And I did that. And, you know, I learned along the way. And, uh, I was going to say investors need to know, or people who are going to give you money need to know that you're going to, you know, you're going to give them something in return. So the first time that I did this, I, and I think the way that I'm approaching it this time is a little bit different. I'm, I'm into the cryptocurrency world and have been for a, a while. And I just believe in the power of blockchain of for decentralized peer to peer, you know, exchanges of, of money and way beyond money with Ethereum. They're the endless applications of that. So tying in technology and tying in not blockchain as a buzzword, but tying in the ability to understand where this blockchain stuff is going is really powerful. And so for an investor to hear my own understanding now, that we can use decentralized funding that we don't need a vcs to fund this project we can actually have it funded by the people and you know micropayments can can fund this kind of thing and uh the return if i had followed through with my own intuition a year ago i mean i would have already had the funding for this uh it's just a matter of listening to that intu to intuition following through with it and getting it done. And I didn't get it done last year. And that was a big lesson for me. And it is time now uh, to get it done. No, that's great. I mean, um, you know, the lesson uh, can be as valuable as any amount of money. So it's, it's great that you got that out of your experience. And by the way, feel free to ramble all you want. We're not here to listen to me. We're here to listen to you. And I really enjoy your, uh, you know, very honest candor. So um, the more you want to say about anything, please. Um, I do like that you describe entrepreneurship as a journey because I do in my writings and in my interviews, I do that all the time. I've beaten that phrase to death about as much as you can. I'm sure, uh, you know, the few people that do follow me are kind of tired of me saying that by now, but I liked hearing you say that because it kind of validates my own perspective. Um, and I can tell based on, um, you know, your attitude and just, uh, you know, the, 
the way you're communicating with me, you very much enjoy this journey for all of its challenges and difficulties. So I'm really kind of curious, what, what do you enjoy most about it? Um, what's really uh, keeps you going through all the ups and downs? I would say anything, I don't know why I have this inner drive where art and technology meet and then where I'm growing and contributing to society as much as possible. That's what lights me up. And so I'm not sure why I was born with this like art innovative mentality. I don't know why, you know, I took apart computers when I was younger. I don't know, understand why I was always driven to draw and to create. Uh, but that I, I kind of lost it. Actually, I would say it's 2021. Uh, I would say from the year like 2002, like, you know, when you turn 12, 13, you can kind of lose a part of that, that childhood, you know, the hormones come in and cer certain things start happening. I kind of lost some of that creativity and I just, was more of a copier. I would just copy uh, others. And then actually just like, yeah, full candor. I love authenticity, right? That's like the name um, that, yeah, I just, I think it's mo mo really important. Uh, the, when the first time that I really felt like my creativity came back was when I, I was super against cannabis, like as opposed to can, as opposed to cannabis, as you could imagine anything on earth. I was in direct opposition and then I did research on it. A friend was like, dude, this isn't what you think it is. Just like try it once. And I did. And dude, my creativity just like went through the roof. And as soon as I saw that my own anxieties were the things preventing me from being creative, that's when I came to the realization that we all have within us, you know, no cannabis required, uh, but music all of a sudden became this this lighthouse to me. Like I, I didn't, I stopped listening to music that I loved. And now I love music. I use music as therapy and it's the most exciting thing is this discovery, like discovering, uh, you know, psychedelics or no, or meditation, whichever they, they're very similar and intertwined in my life. You create this, this flow. And when you hit flow, you just, your brain just changes and you know when you can see that we're kind of we're in this like dream state right now we're in this this discovery of who we are we're we are the creators of our own reality and we are discovering ourselves and entrepreneurship is this capitalist way of you know discovering oneself one's true purpose uh, in buddhism or taoism the dharma the, the one life, one's life purpose. Once you can understand your life purpose, like phew, there's nothing stopping you. Right. Uh, I think Wim Hof, uh, I'll just come to a close here with these thoughts, but Wim Hof is, uh, he, the Iceman, he really brought to me like the light, uh, without any psychedelics required, you can be, cr become creative. And that's the most exciting thing is like, how can you without any psychedelics, without any creative juice, I guess, like boost, how can you create the future, uh, that, you know, we want our children to live in? Like, we can't just be stagnant. We can't just take what's been given to us and just do nothing with it. 
Uh, we need, we, we have to be stewards and we have to push forward and, and yeah, Wim Hof through breathing exercises, you can achieve altered states of conscious consciousness and raising global consciousness in the world, raising that love, that connection, that growth and contributing to society. Like that's what, that's what lights me up. And that's what keeps me going for sure. That's a great answer. Um, you know, I, uh, there are a lot of things I, I, um, I really appreciate it in that answer. I mean, you, you you mentioned you don't know why you were kind of born with this urge to create. And the, I think the simple fact of the matter is there is no why. It just kind of is. That's just who you are. It's encoded into you. Um, you know, you described as you got a bit older, you know, you started going through puberty and the hormones hit like it kind of went away for a bit, but it couldn't be, it couldn't permanently go away because it was vestigial, um, you know, and remained with you, even though you didn't notice it for a bit of time as, uh, as life kind of changed. Um, and that, that's why it was reawakened. And, um, you know, you mentioned a profound, uh, God, I'm using that word too much. Let's say a, a massive change going from being as anti-cannabis as possible to being more open-minded about it to, um, really, uh, you know, not clinging to your biases and instead, um, uh, you know, being open to alternative perspectives and, um, you know, willing to accept facts you hadn't already considered, which I think is going to be huge in uh, your path to success. Um, an entrepreneur cannot afford to be closed minded. Um, that's uh, if there's anything I've learned, it's that kind of. Uh, you know, that sort of intransigence really um, to uh, understanding what you're wrong about um, that can kill an entrepreneurial endeavor, no matter how brilliant it might be. So um, there's a good lesson in there for anyone listening, like to definitely be willing to change, be willing to adapt. Otherwise you are, as you kind of put it, you're going to stagnate. Um, so yeah, that's a, uh, that, that's a great lesson for sure. Um, so kind of taking a different tack a bit, I mean, we, we've touched a little bit about on some of the challenges you faced. Um, I mean, is there anything in particular that's just kind of like, you know, an ongoing or really uh, particularly chal uh, difficult challenge um, you'd like to highlight? That, that's yeah, that's a really great question and definitely a difficult one to answer. Uh, <clears throat> When I'm able to empathize with others and with myself, that's when, you know, my true nature is able to shine. Uh, I think empathy has been my weakest point growing, like ever since I can remember just empathy. Uh, and I think when I have, now that I, there is a part of my brain that kind of is still shut off to that even despite all of the empathetic experiences that I've had, uh, specifically, uh, I love talking about psychedelics. Like I, they manifest my own mind, but they also introduce this level of, I mean, the, the chemical reaction is serotonin. Uh, you know, serotonin creates create and oxytocin create this empathetic bond with others. I think my biggest weakness is probably trying to, despite all the money flowing through all the people every day, all across the globe, I often try to do things on my own. And that's been a big lesson for me. You know, how do you stop trying to do things by yourself? How do you, how do you get out of your own head to rely on others, uh, as, as your team. And that, that's been my 2021 breakdown. Like, yeah, that's, that's an ongoing struggle, you know, 
that's my blind spot is trying to take on too much on my own. Uh, that's, uh, but also just recognizing as you kind of pointed out, if you can look at, and if you can understand your, I, I, I say blind spots, you put it a different way. Uh, if you can, if you can see what you're not doing right and change it, then that's, that's a big deal. And I, I think the faster you can do that, that's what learning is. And I think I, I don't excel in, in changing quickly, but I do excel in, in flipping from something, you know, that I, that I previously thought was true and surrounding myself with people who thoughtfully disagree with me, as Ray Dalio says, that's really important to my life now. And, uh, you know, trying to, I don't know that my blind spots will ever become strengths. I don't know if empathy is ever going to be my strength, but it certainly will be because I surround myself with people who are able to be like, Hey dude, <laughs> like you're crossing the line here. Uh, so that that's important to me, uh, just to surround myself with people who understand my blind spots. Yeah, you seem to have a very well-tuned sense of self-awareness. Um, you know, kind of, you realize where you come up short, and um, you know where what you have to do about that, which is a lot. I mean, everyone comes up short in some regard, and it's uh, it can also be fatal to entrepreneurial endeavors to be unable to understand that and uh, thus rectify those problems. So you've really got that working in your favor. Um, I, I think you uh, also hit on something, you know, pretty important there, which is doing everything yourself. I mean, it's probably it's an inclination, I, I think, of all entrepreneurs, especially early on, to try and uh, shoulder that burden because this is your baby, and it's really hard to trust somebody else with it. But um, you know, understanding you have to is an important part of growth as an entrepreneur. I mean, you, you look at all the big companies, even small companies. A, a CEO can't just do everything themselves. Um, uh, you know, otherwise, no business would ever grow beyond an, uh, a uh, solo. Um, endeavor. Um, so, uh, you know, it is important to know that you don't know everything and um, then surround yourself with, uh, you know, people you trust to know those things and compliment you. Um, so, yeah, no, that, that, that's great that you're discovering that. Um, I guess my next question really is um, a big, you know, sticking point or difficulty uh, for entrepreneurs is balancing work and life. I mean, you're married, you said you got kids, uh, and uh, obviously there are, there are only so many hours in the day. So how do you um, prioritize, budget your time, and uh, you know, make sure you are uh, balancing or at least blending uh, this passion project of yours? And uh, I mean, not passion project, that's not the right way to put it, but this passion of yours um, with the rest of your life. Yeah, that, that's a, obviously the most important thing is, is family. And so if you can put family first, then the other things will follow, you know, health, uh, Peter Diamandis is one of my mentors, uh, that I, I rely on him heavily for advice. And one of the things that he says is the man who doesn't have his health has but one wish, but the man who has his health has but many. Um, and so health is huge. If I can put my own health first, uh, and my family in, in, within that, uh, one thing like, you know, going to the gym or working out 
how can you include your family in that time? Uh, as a single person, you have so much time that it's almost like it's too much time uh, that you can get lazy. Uh, as a as a married person with kids, there's almost no time for laziness. Uh, one thing I have re recently realized is that uh, in order for me to be at my peak performance, I have to get the right amount of sleep. And if I don't, I suffer and everyone around me suffers too. And so that's, that's been really uh, challenging, especially with kids. I mean, there's nights where your kids will wake you up three or four times if they're sick, maybe they're not sick. Maybe they're just going through things and you know, that struggle, then everything down the line struggles. And so the work-life balance is, is really difficult uh, in that regard. Uh, you know, my wife wants a house right now, you know, she wants to, to buy a house and have a steady home. And I've always been directly opposed to buying a house. I just never want to own a house, but serving her is important to me. And so in order to do that, I have to get a W2 job because the last two years I've been building up my business with very little revenue. And so you have to, you know, you have to, I have to make sure that her needs are met. So I have to somehow get a W2 job, you know, uh, making six figures. How can I get that kind of a job working 20 hours a week, you know, even though it's 40 hours, right? How can I do the thing that I'm really, really good at, get, make a hundred grand in 20 hours and then be with my family for another, you know, 40 hours in the week and then another 40 to 80 hours a week. How do I like sleep and uh, get the business done? Well, I'm going to need other people. And so that work-life balance is definitely, I need a team. I need other people. I need to be able to give up equity. I need to make these sacrifices if I want my dreams to come true. And it's not about the money for me. It's never been about the money. Uh, but you know, you need that, you know, to, to be able to, to do stuff. So <laughs> yeah, you definitely do need money to do stuff. That's for sure. Um, uh, yeah, I can uh, I can relate to what you're saying about being single and sometimes having too much time in it, making you a bit lazy. Um, but it sounds like really uh, the lesson kind of in there is um, you know take stock of what matters, and when you do that. Um, and you know, you put a good faith effort into um, prioritizing the things that matter. It all kind of comes. Uh, it all kind of comes together as to um, uh, you know how you make time for everything. Um, you know, your business alongside your uh, family and other obligations. Um, you know, I, that did kind of spark another question. I wasn't original. I hadn't originally thought of asking you, but I do want to ask you. I mean, you got into this as a family guy. You uh, left, you know, a well-paying job and entrepreneurship. I, I'm convinced one of the things that holds people back more than entrepreneurship. It's not about having ideas or being good enough. It's about um, the difficulty and accepting the risk. You know, if you've got a family um, and this doesn't work out, I'm sure a lot of people are like I, I can't take that risk um you know because they're uh that, that would be too burdensome i guess how did those kinds of thoughts enter your head you know how did you how did you uh, i guess approach um the reality of uh, the riskiness of starting your own business yeah i actually did a ton of research uh you know should i quit my job should i keep my job uh i don't think i came across tim ferris's interview 
until like maybe six months ago, I just happened to watch this thing. It wasn't intended, but I watched it and he's like, don't quit your day job. When you start something, it's going to create more anxiety, more stress. And that's really what happened to me. Uh, I took on so much risk despite my men. I, I got mentors. I got, I started a mastermind. I got people who came in my life and I said, every week we're going to meet up. You guys are going to help me understand what are the risks. I'm, this is the path that I've chosen. Is this the right path? And they, my friends would tell me like, no, don't do this. Uh, some of those paths, I, I, I had a lot of risk. So one, one example, uh, a year ago in exactly a year ago, uh, last week, I, I saw the price of Bitcoin and Ethereum and I was like, this has nowhere to go, but up, I want to take out all the debt I can and get every single person who I know to give me a thousand dollars that they can afford, if they can afford to lose a thousand dollars and I want to pool it into a pool of money. And I wanted to take out $80,000 in credit card debt and put it all into this Ethereum and Bitcoin. Uh, and you know, obviously like in hindsight, that was a super risky move, but I knew, I knew a lot, you know, that there's, there's so much risk you can't take on that much risk. That was too much risk. But if you can mitigate your risk and you can kind of put it out uh, to the, the side, um, I didn't end up doing that. And obviously I'd be extremely wealthy right now. And all of my friends and family who would be as well, uh, it, 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 monetarily speaking, but that's that's too much risk, perhaps. Uh, I'm not very good at risk mitigation, so I rely on other people to tell me when something's too risky because it could have gone the opposite way. You know, it could have somehow, well, I don't think it would have, but it could have. And uh, as far as like entrepreneurship, quitting your job, I knew if we hit the worst case scenario at the bottom, we would still be taken care of. And that's what's beautiful about the United States, Canada, uh, several other countries, you know, in the in Europe, especially uh, where Australia, uh, parts of uh, Asia, where you can take out risk and you know you're not going to die. You know, you know your needs are still going to be met if you hit that rock bottom. You're not going to die, and so why not go for it? And I went for it and encountered a lot of failure. Uh, I'm grateful that I'm still going. Uh, there was I was you know three weeks from being completely broke from the business bankrupt me, like completely bankrupting me. Uh, and then money started flowing into my life and, uh, we're in a good spot now. So, uh, grateful for, for that. But yeah, I mean, I, yeah, risk is, risk is huge. Uh, but I'm, why not take a huge risk? You know, like if you don't risk anything, then you're just, I, I, I don't strive for certainty. I don't, I don't really care for certainty at all. Um, so I just kind of go for it. That's why I do that. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. You gotta, I, I guess you gotta enjoy the risk of it. It sounds like, um, you know, in order to confront it. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, that, that's definitely, um, uh, a great attitude. Uh, oh man, there's something else I wanted to ask you and what you said, but it's totally slipping my mind. I hope I remember it before, um, we completely wrap up. Um, so, I mean, really, my, the last question I really want to make sure I get in is what advice do you have for aspiring entrepreneurs? I mean, if you can lend your perspective to people that want to, um, you know, take this journey themselves, what would you tell them? I'd say, look, kind of like Tim Ferriss said, don't quit your J job prematurely unless you absolutely hate it. 
Uh, but if it's 50% okay, you 50% like it, stick with it. And that will not create the same, you won't drop. Uh, it might take you like, you're going to do this instead of what I did, which was this, um, that drop could it kills a lot of entrepreneurs when they, when they quit and they don't have that stream of money to replace it. I think I went, I went for the big, big thing. Uh, I think going for the small things first, making sure those are in line, and then you'll have a nice foundation to get the bigger things later. Uh, but yeah, that, that would be, if, if there are entrepreneurs listening to this, then I would say, you know, if they're on the, find out where you are on the path, find out who dealt with the problem that you're dealing with well now. So if you have X problem, find person Y and how did person Y solve problem X and then help them help. Yeah. Have them help you get through it. Awesome. Yeah. No, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I like that. Um, I like that perspective. I think it's the, you're the first person I've uh, uh, spoken to that said, you know, don't quit your day job. I think it's pretty reflexive for people to be like, well, I got to go all in, um, devote myself uh, completely to this. And um, I like that you offer a differing perspective, like, hey, maybe, um, you know, keep that sort of safety net under the tightrope, at least until you're ready to, um, you know, completely uh, take this live and let it be your full time thing. Um, so I appreciate, uh, you know, adding uh, that nuance there. Uh, Garrett, um, you know, it's been a real pleasure. I really enjoyed learning more about authenticity and your um, particular journey. I'm really excited to uh, follow along and see everything you achieve, uh, achieve, excuse me. And, uh, you know, thanks one last time for uh, joining me, joining with me and, um, you know, uh, sharing your perspective. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Eric, for your time and for listening. You're a great listener. And yeah, you're really good at distilling down what I said into a few words. So keep up the hard work with the podcast. It's yeah, don't don't stop. Just keep going, man. I intend to, but thank you so much for the kind words. Really means a lot. Till next time, Garrett. Um, like I said, best of luck with everything. And I'm really excited to see everything you do. Thanks, Eric. Podcast highlights. Garrett's journey to creating authenticity. 1 colon 10 the origins of authenticity. 7 colon 50 the medicinal aspects of gamifying marriage. 12 colon 20 testing the value and product slash market fit. 15 colon 10 next steps and roadmap. 19 colon 00 fundraising. 25000 a startling moment in the journey that led here, how Garrett rediscovered his creativity. 2955 most difficult challenges. 3500 maintaining work slash life balance. 3924 taking on the risk of entrepreneurship. 4325 advice for fellow entrepreneurs.